Please listen carefully. And now, live from the attic that smells like a basement in McKinney, Texas, it's the Assuming Positions Podcast, featuring four left feet performing a tango of trivia, Kevin and Mikey. Hey everybody, welcome to the Assuming Positions Podcast. Kevin over here. And Mikey over here. And today on the podcast is another Mount Nerdmore. A relatively new segment, but I'm excited for it. I don't know why I said it like it was like, well, it's a, it's a mountain. It's epic. <laughs> it's big. So Mount Nerdmore is that thing where people always talk about like, what's the Mount Rushmore of X or what's the Mount Rushmore of Y? Exactly. And it's like, you know, who are the four people's faces that would go on that so we came up with Mount Nerdmore, where we take people from a specific thing. Like people do with sports a lot, but yep. we're nerd. We're not. We are a little bit sports nerds, but <laughs> not really. So the first Mount Nerdmore we did, you can look that up. It was for filmmakers. Yep, kind of creators of things in film, and uh, you can go back and listen to that one. Uh, and so. it's less of our personal picks and more of like, you have to spend time and money to carve this face into a mountain. Mm-hmm. So yeah. you better be sure. No. <laughs> yeah, well, and, and, and we're trying to think of the who impacted the nerd space most. Yep. Not who's just the best or who made the most money. Nope. It's the, the people who they cosplay their stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and people like to watch it in their basement while their mom's yelling at the meatloaf is ready, you know. <laughs> or they're nerdy themselves and they help out other nerds and they yes. pave the path for nerds to get more nerd stuff done, for yeah. sure. So go back and listen to our filmmaker one. But on this one, we are doing the Mount Nerdmore of animators. Oh, right in Mikey's wheelhouse. I love me some animated media. Yes. So... What we do is we get together as the Assuming Positions Productions team, and mm-hmm. we kind of call down all the animators we can think of to a top 10. Yep. And then that is given to Mikey and myself <laughs> to painfully pare it down to the four that go on the mountain and an honorable mention. It's so, so hard. We got to chop it in half. We could put, like, it, we could honestly put all 10 of these on here, but yes. it's fun to talk about it and figure out what, what the finals are. All right. So. Our 10 are Hayao Miyazaki, mm-hmm. John Lesseter, mm-hmm. Matt Groening, Seth MacFarlane, Walt Disney, Don Bluth, Brad Bird, Hanna-Barbera, Lord Ann Miller, and Ralph Bakshi. Yes. So that's who we got here on our Mount Nerdmore candidates. Uh, semi-finalists? Semi-fi- if we're, if we're semi- picking the finalists now, I guess these were the, the yeah, semi-finalists as far as the, the branch goes. So uh, we're going to do a little introduction on each person here, then start arguing immediately with that person. So... <laughs> Top uh, to bottom, bottom to top. How do so, you want to do it? Well, we can start at the top, and and we're not gonna. Sometimes we just kind of put them in the the maybe category, cross them out. We'll get there. This is a whole painful exercise that we are <laughs> doing live to tape here. <laughs> so we're gonna start with uh, Miyazaki. So who's Miyazaki? The Japanese animator, director, producer, and screenwriter, author, manga artist, and co-founder of Studio Ghibli. He's attained international acclaim as a masterful storyteller and creator of Japanese animated feature films. Mm -hmm. On his list of things that he has directed, Castle in the Sky. Absolutely. My Neighbor Totoro, Kiki's Delivery Service, Porco Rosso, Princess Mononoke. Princess Mononoke was distributed to the Western market, and that was kind of what made anime really push it. I would say Akira... Yep. In Cowboy Bebop. Yep. And Studio Ghibli with Princess Mononoke was kind of like one of the first ones because they had the one that was voiced by like people we know. That was the first one I remember yeah. where they gave it the Hollywood actor voice treatment because right, it exactly. had like Patrick Stewart and mm-hmm. Scarlett Johansson. Yeah. Like it was big names. Kate Blanchett, maybe? Something. I forget who's all in it. But yeah. that was the one I remembered. Like they put all the names on the poster and it was a phenomenon when it mm-hmm. came over. Uh, his 2001 film Spirited Away is the highest grossing film in Japanese history and won the Academy Award for Best Animated Feature at the Academy Awards, 75th Academy Awards. There you go. And it's frequently ranked one of the greatest films of the 2000s, 
well, we're not that far into the, maybe, <laughs> I mean, we're only 20 something years in. We got a lot of time. And then also, what else? I mean, there's so much more. Howl's Moving Castle is one of my favorites. Ponyo mm-hmm. is one of my wife's favorites. And The Wind Rises is one of his latest ones. And he recently retired, but if you go back and check out one of our nerd alerts, he's coming back out of retirement for one more. So the, mm-hmm. the dude's still going. Yeah. And he's like 80. Yeah. So Miyazaki, man, I'm telling you what, I'd have a hard time not putting him on the Animator Mountain or more. I mean, come on. Only because of what you just said. Like, there are a few, as far as like pop culture hits, like smashes, blockbuster successes that come over from anime to the Western world. And people are like, oh, I know that. I think even if you're not a hardcore anime fan, you have some idea of Miyazaki. Mm-hmm, this is true. Or if you say one of their movies, people are like, oh, yeah, I did see that one. Mm-hmm. Usually it's a it's Princess Mononoke, Spirited Away, I think, with mm-hmm. all the awards it won, was the bigger one. But I think that's a common ground for all anime fans. And like Studio Ghibli, it's a track record that's flawless almost. Like, I don't think there's a bad one. Nah, man. There's probably a lesser one you could argue, but there's none that aren't worth watching. I mean, he's the goat as far as anime goes, in my opinion. Yep. I mean, there's great stuff out there. There's so much good stuff out there. There's so many good series and stuff. But, I mean, if if anyone is the, the poster boy for anime and Japanese animation, yep. it's Miyazaki. I believe it. So I'm going to put a plus next to his name. I think he belongs there. Thumbs up for me. Okay, so we're going to put a plus next to there. Now, all these are, can be tentative because we might end up with too many pluses. <laughs> we but, to, we're talking it out. But right now, Miyazaki definitely belongs on the Animator's Mountain or more. Which one is your favorite? I think that Howl's Moving Castle is my favorite of his movies. But, I mean, they're, they're all so good. But, yeah, I really like Castle in the Sky Yep, a lot. If it has a castle in it, I guess. <laughs> you like his castle period. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I was. I thought I was going to be the 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 curveball and say Howl's Moving Castle because I think most people would say Spirited Away, which is fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, I've seen that one a bunch, but there's something about Howl's Moving Castle I'm with yeah, you. It's there's just, something I like about it's it. It's a little magical element. Yeah, you know, and it's got, the, you know, it's got very adult themes in it as far as the anti-war stuff and yep. all that kind of stuff. Yeah, it's... But No-Face? Oh, what a classic. Like, yeah. for a character that does not speak, mm-hmm. you can wear that mask or see that mask and people are like, oh, that's No-Face. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, yeah, Miyazaki, a definite plus for me. Mm-hmm. All right. Next up, John Lasseter. John Lasseter is an American film director, producer, screenwriter, animator, voice actor currently the head of Skydance Animation, whatever that is, um, but most well-known for being the head of Pixar Animated Studios. And then when Disney bought them, they put him in charge of all the Disney stuff Yep. at the time. It was one of the classic, this guy's beating us. So, you know. Have him join us. Have him join us. Which is funny because he actually got fired from Disney. And that's the what led to Pixar, right? Yes, yeah. because he was at Disney going like, we need to try this uh, computer animation stuff. And they're like, now nah, we draw with our hand. Get out of here. <laughs> and then he went over to Lucasfilm. Yep. And they're like, what do you want to do now? And he's like, I want to animate with computers. And they're like, okay. I want to make it 3D and better. Uh-huh. And then the rest is history. So, I mean, he's the guy who directed Toy Story, Bugs Life, Toy Story 2, Cars, Oopsie. Cars 2. <laughs> <laughs> really? Cars is an oopsie for you? I yeah. get it. But okay. I mean, is, I think Cars is one of those things where you like, I don't know how to want to say it. Yeah, I was going to say you flew too close to the sun, but you didn't. It, it, it was just Toy Story so good. True. That, you know, it can only go down from there, I think, is the problem. I think if Cars came out first, maybe. I I, you know? I get that. I, I do remember a bunch of stink around Cars 2 being, because it was one of the early sequels, and Pixar, for a long time, wasn't big on doing sequels. Yeah, right. But to get nerdy about it, I mean, John Lester went his own way and went with technology. That's nerdy. Mm-hmm. Developed a whole new company just to get his ideas across. Super nerdy. And then he made a computer animated movie about toys that come to life. I think every nerd that's had action figures has had that moment where, like, are they awake when I'm not there? Oh, yeah, I know, right? I th- and I think that's the earliest example. Like, they've done that a whole bunch of times. That's been a premise forever. But mm-hmm. I-, I think that's the most prominent one other than Indian in the Cupboard maybe came first. That's just yeah. guess. But Toy Story yeah. is iconic. They've made yes. four of them because they're a smash, and all four of them are solid. So I know. And, man, I think I really think Toy Story is one of the greatest movies ever. 
That's Absolutely. like got to be top 10 for me. As for, the, for being about action figures and toys. I mean, and it's and what's amazing is that movie came out in 1995. <laughs> 1995 that movie came out. Yep. And I was showing it to my kids because my kids were born like 11 years after that. Mm-hmm. So I wasn't showing it to them when they were infants. But nope. I mean, I was showing it to them a good, what, 15 years after that? Yep. It still holds up. It still looks great. Absolutely. You can't even say that about some hand-drawn animation. Some of the hand-drawn animation from certain times periods is like, what am I looking at right now? Yeah, no, I'm with you. you. And I do give props to Lasseter for like sort of paving the way for that to happen. And But it's funny now that computer animation has been around so long, you can now see the time difference. Be like, mm-hmm. oh, I remember Toy Story. And now they've gotten so much better. But Toy Story, when it first came out, was like, holy crap, this looks amazing. Mm-hmm. It still looks good, though. And, <laughs> I mean, it doesn't look terrible. Not at all. It, but you, it, it, internet-wise, you're, you're, it's now old enough to get the memes where people are posting the picture where you, the, the Andy kid and all of his friends all have, like, the same face model. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Just because, you know, like, it's it's animation. You're going to take some shortcuts. Mm-hmm. But it's funny that it's now old enough and beloved. People are like, oh, here's this silly little thing that I noticed. Yeah. All right. So what do you think about John Lasseter? I mean, just for me, just like Miyazaki kind yes. of is like groundbreaking for Japanese anime. Mm-hmm. I think John Lasseter really pushed. I'm with you. The Hey, kids, you like Frozen? <laughs> that wouldn't exist if it wasn't for Pixar. Yep. I know it's a Disney thing, but I mean, it's all... All this, I mean, who does hand-drawn stuff anymore? No, I mean... He changed the game, this guy. Moana crushed it, and Kanto just crushed it, and yeah. that's all because of what was the groundwork from Pixar. Mm-hmm. Man, it's hard not to put him. I'm, the biggest... The, I, I'm with you. It's, he's a huge contestant. It's going to be a question of, do we pick him over Walt Disney for being in sort of the same wheelhouse? Like, it's two different types of animation, but same world, maybe? Well, we'll have to see. Okay, we're going to put a plus... With a little question mark, because it's not as a solid. It's a pretty solid plus. <laughs> it is. But we'll see. Mike, Mikey just had like a, <laughs> so that puts a question mark on the plus. I, I like considering. I like getting into yeah. the nitty gritty about it. All right. Next up, Matt Groening. Yes, not groaning. You have to be in the yes. nose. Matt Groening, American cartoonist, writer, producer, and animator. Probably best known for The Simpsons. The Simpsons. Dun, 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 dun. Not only the longest running animated show, the longest running like serial TV show ever. Mm-hmm. 33 seasons, 750 episodes of animation, just in work ethic alone. I mean, like, that's a consideration mm-hmm. right there. But it was The Simpsons. And it wasn't even that. Like, The Simpsons has been going on for so long, but he started doing being nerdy and writing a comic strip, putting out comic books mm-hmm. called Life as Hell about talking rabbits and mm-hmm. weird characters that came in through there. And he's still going. He didn't just stop with The Simpsons and says, oh, this is perfect. This is my nest egg. I'm just going to do The Simpsons for the rest of my life. He said, no, we're going to do Futurama. And no, we're, we're going to do Disenchantment. And that's still going today. I know. And how wonderfully nerdy is that, that he's like, okay, we're going to do sci-fi. Yeah. Now we're going to do fantasy. And it all started with, now we're just going to spoof the American family for as long as we can. And it turns out you can do that for 33 years. <laughs> I know, right. Uh, the argument I make for The Simpsons and like, because... I think Simpsons is divisive for some people. Really? I, I, let's let's hear this argument. Okay, so I I relate it to SNL. There's mm-hmm. a period of lo- your life okay, yeah. when you're like 13 to 17, and you have Saturday nights free, and you're watching Saturday Night Live. Right. So Saturday Night Live is an institution. They've had multiple casts. Mm-hmm. They've gone for years, but you have the years that you like. Mm-hmm. I think Simpsons is that same argument. Like Simpsons has been going for 30 years, so. There's a time where you watched it on Friday nights or you watched mm-hmm. it in reruns or whatever. So there's like seasons of Simpsons that you can watch an episode and be like, I love this one. And then there's later ones you're like, I've never seen this mm-hmm. and I don't like it. <laughs> so that uh, maybe I'm wrong that people don't like it. I, I hear the argument that it sort of like lost steam or change or didn't mm-hmm. change or changed too mm-hmm. much. But it's like they're adapting. They're bringing in new writers. Right. They recycle. It's it's hard to argue with 33 years of work. Sure. But we got to argue with how nerdy this guy is and contributions to nerddom. There you go. Which I think are great and terrific. Absolutely. I mean, just alone, had the just I just can think of, think of all of the nerd icons he's just brought on to guests on The Simpsons. That's it. 
I mean, the straight comes to mind is Mark Hamill convention episode. <laughs> I mean, come on. It's hilarious. Who is it? Leonard Nimoy's been on there. Oh, Spock for sure. Yeah. I mean, just the I mean, just the comic book guy alone. Just worst episode ever. I know they're just it's so like they're making fun, but it's not mean. I mean, it's mean, but not. I don't know how to say it. it's. They're making fun, but they're making fun of it from such a place that they know it and like understand it. Like they're making fun of themselves. Exactly. In a lot of ways. Like this is us in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's not the stereotype you hear about. It's like, oh, we know a guy that's yeah. just like this. We've hung out with him a bunch. Right. And the fact that like they go and get like the highest level nerd comedy writers they can. They go to Harvard. Yep. And they're like Conan O'Brien. Yeah, they're like, get let's get these, let's get these like Uber. They're so nerdy about comedy. Mm-hmm. Let's get the, the highest level comedians we could find. So it's hilarious, and it's bringing in your friends and bringing in the fresh crew. I mean, that's smart and awesome. It's not just we're going to stick with these four people for our entire thing. Like we're going to give people a leg up. Mm-hmm. Man, it's going to be hard. I'm putting a plus next to Matt Groening. Personally, <laughs> I'll I'll add a plus to that as oh, well because he's got a double plus. I, I, I put him on the list. Yeah, man, definitely. All right. Well, if you're going to talk about Matt Green, you're going to kind of talk about the guy who came in his wake. Yes, Seth MacFarlane. That's it. Uh, Seth MacFarlane is an American actor, animator, screenwriter, producer, film director, comedian, singer. He sings pretty well too. He's creator of the series Family Guy. Also did the Orville, American Dad, Cleveland Show. But I would say in some movies and stuff, Ted and things like that. Mm-hmm. But I would say Family Guy is his most known for. Oh, crowning achievement for sure. So McFarlane uh, went to RISD, Rhode Island School of Design. Uh, that's where he got the idea for Family. I guess there was a security guard who sounded just like Peter. Uh, <laughs> and that's where he got the idea. I believe it. Uh, for it. So he does a lot of the voices on it himself, which is kind of cool. What do you have to say about Seth McFarlane Family Guy? Uh, I was a fan that like it was definitely in my generational wheelhouse, and it was one of the things I remember. Like you could go to, over to somebody's dorm or go over to somebody's apartment, and everybody had the DVD box set of at least one season of Family mm-hmm. Guy, just so you could throw it on and have it in the background. Mm-hmm. Two cents, I say Simpsons walked so Family Guy could run. Yeah, but they are two different beasts. Like Family Guy is vulgar and crass in a way that the Sims like they leveled up. Mm-hmm. Like. I think I've, I would say I've laughed out loud more times with Family Guy than Simpsons, maybe. Mm-hmm. I'd have to double check that with a whole bunch of rewatching. But Family Guy definitely like leveled up what was going on. For yeah, sure. I think that crassness comes from that it's a little less smart. Yep. Uh, I think the part of what makes this me want to put Matt Groening in The Simpsons in the in the more nerdy category is that there's some jokes in even Futurama and The Simpsons and Disenchant. There's some jokes in there. That like those guys went to Harvard. Yeah, you have to be like a hard nerd <laughs> to get some of those jokes. True, those are gone in Family Guy. That's more common denominator type stuff. I'm not saying that's a bad thing. Yep, I'm just saying that it's more common. Initially, I wouldn't have even really considered him that much because it seems like his stuff is a little more jockey, I guess. Okay, but I know Seth MacFarlane's a nerd because he loves like big band and stuff, mm-hmm. and he did that whole Blue Harvest thing. That's it which was Family Guy Star Wars parody. So eh, that kind of, you know, kind of puts him there. But I'm not so sure he needs to be enshrined in stone. Yeah, exactly. I'm happy to give him props. Is he one of the four? This is the first sort of, uh, I personally pick Matt Groening over him. So I would do. That's where the distinction would come in. But, I mean, you can't not talk about Seth MacFarlane Mm -hmm. because... I had no idea that he would get as many spinoffs as he did. Mm-hmm. I would have been put $2 saying it would family guy and done, mm-hmm. you know, like sort of a one trick pony. But he has three successful shows. He's gone on to movies. He's hosted award shows. So, yeah. Well, we're going to put a minus next to you. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. <laughs> Got to cut it down somehow. All right. Now. Oh, next up is the big dog. The big dog. The OG. We are looking at. Walter Disney. Is his name Walter? Must be, right? They didn't give people short names like that back then. It might be. I don't think I've ever heard him referred to as Walter. (laughs) Okay, well, then I'm I'm just going to call him Walt Disney. Um, (laughs) Walt Disney, of course, which we just talked about on one of our last... We know, we now know the the 
ASL sign for Disney. Yes, the you mouse should, ears. You just make mouse ears on the top of your head. Just if that's like, not iconic, uh, yeah. I know, right? Walt Disney. Who's Walt Disney? Uh, Walt Disney was an animator, film producer, and entrepreneur. He started the whole big Disney corporation yep. way back in the 19 nothings, basically, um, with his brother. And let's see, what what we have here on this. I mean, if you don't know who Disney is, come on. But let's just throw some stats out there, right? Go for it. Let's see. Um, his things have won 22 Oscars from 59 nominations. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's uh, that's pretty good. There's some um, accolades there. Uh, a couple of Golden Globes and some Emmys. And uh, several of his films are in the National Film Registry and the Library of Congress. <laughs> yeah. So... He started off with the big with well. He started off with the Mickey Mouse, the little shorts. Yep, uh, and everything. Steamboat Willie. Yeah. Then he moved on to doing big feature length cartoons and pushed. I mean, his company really pushed the art of animation, feature length. Oh, um, absolutely. They figured out how to do all kinds like. Stuff that's just known today in hand-drawn animation that you do was stuff that Walt Disney Company invented. One of my favorite YouTube deep dives is going to watch the technology that Disney helped bring forward because they did the whole like multi-panel like camera angle so that the foreground moved separately from the mid-ground and right. the background. And like so to actually get to see the technology that was there and the animators that they hired, I mean, yes, he's the head of it, but... They had so many people just cranking out so many awesome, distinct styles. Mm -hmm. Like, you can look... I'm pretty sure you can look at a Disney movie and be like, oh, that's a Disney movie. Right. We got Snow White and the Seven Doors, Pinocchio, Fantasia, Bambi, Cinderella. I mean, all the, you know them all. Yep. How do you not know Disney stuff? Now, here's the, here's the sticky wicket. Go for it. How nerdy is Disney? Is it? It's, it is if... If it was music, would it be pop music? Right. You know, not necessarily like indie underground stuff. See what I'm saying? Everybody loves it. Right. So is is it is Disney nerdy? Okay, well, so let's think. Some of the what are some of the markers we use for, for nerdiness? Genre, like fantasy sci-fi. Yeah. So we they do fairy tales, basically. A lot of princess work, yep. yeah. A lot of <laughs> <laughs> a lot of princess work. <laughs> yeah. Um, but are fairy tales particularly nerdy? I don't know. You tell them to all kids all the time. There it is. Their stories. When they started, when the Walt Disney Company started getting nerdy, he Walt Disney was gone. True. I mean, when I think of like the Black Cauldron and things like that, yep. Disney was gone. Yep. And then also that was in response to other people doing other things. I get it. So... You know, we got to think of Disney as the guy, and then the company is kind of something separate. True. Because he was gone by, what, the mid-60s? Oh, yeah, like definitely foundational and there on the ground floor, but it did develop after his passing. Right. Yes. So, hmm, interesting argument. The only caveat I can throw into this argument, he did, if rumors are to be believed... He did freeze his head for cryogenic freezing. <laughs> what? That's kind of nerdy. I know. <laughs> I don't know if that's true. It's. Not, I don't think it's enough to sway the argument you're making. I'm with you. I don't know if that's true. I. Uh, I think it's true. <laughs> <laughs> so I had to bring it up. It's funny because this is where we get to the funny part of Mount Nerdmore. Yes. This is where we get to the part where we're saying that this doesn't necessarily have to be the people who are bestest. At it. Walt Disney was one of the best. Yeah. So, what do you think, Mikey? Uh, not nerdy enough. Yeah, man. I'm with you. Uh, well, we're going to put a minus question mark. But, yeah, I think Walt Disney is pop music, like you said. That's it. Hmm. Appeal to the masses. Interesting. Mm. We might be upsetting some people, but... Listen, if this was just animation Mount Rushmore, sure, Walt Disney belongs on there. Mm-hmm. But this is about nerd more. Exactly. We're talking the nerdy nerd with nerds. Contributions to nerd culture. <laughs> so I don't know how nerdy Disney is. Now there are the people who like I think the people, the adults who go to Disney parks. Yes. Those are nerds. Oh, there's definitely a lane for Disney yeah. nerd for sure. But guess what? That has nothing to do with his animation. <laughs> well, sort of does, tangentially, but 
But that's later stuff. I don't. That is think. later stuff. It's See, not, we're trying well, to yeah. we're trying to separate the Walt Disney as an animator. Yes. And what he was doing then, and then the company's decisions. It's hard because it was so old. That's it. Because you know some of these are like Matt Groening. You could argue some of the same stuff, but he's still around and True. still making the decisions for the company and getting more genre specific. He's yeah. doing fantasy and sci-fi. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna hit this problem again later. I know we are. <laughs> Get ready. Anyway, next up, I want to bring this one up. Oh, okay. This was I. It was a total blank spot until I saw this name on the list. I was like, "Oh yeah, I completely forgot about this guy," and it's Don Bluth. Yeah, Don Bluth was foundational for me when I went and actually looked and remembered and checked it out. But uh, again, another film director, animator, production designer, video game designer, animation instructor—all nerdy bullet points. But you would know him for his work on *The Secret of Nim*, *An American Tale*, mm-hmm. *The Land Before Time*. All Dogs Go to Heaven, Anastasia, Titan AE, which is a curveball for me that I can discuss, but also did the animations for Dragon's Lair, the old video, the action sequence video game. Yeah, Dragon's Lair That's alone, it. right? And this this was one of the, this is the pre-John Lasseter. Don Bluth was a Disney animator, mm-hmm. wanted to go in a certain direction. And Disney as a company was like, no, we don't want to do it. Yeah. So he was just like, okay, I'm leaving. I'm taking some of my friends with me, and I'm doing my own thing. I mean, first of all, that's nerdy mm-hmm. anyway. But also the stuff he did is way nerdier than the stuff Disney was doing. Oh, for sure. I mean, Secret of Nim? Come on, man. And, you know, and the Titan AE, all that stuff. And just the Dragon's Lair alone, like I said. Mm-hmm. Dragon's Lair, the video game, was so huge if you guys i was around in 83 Mm -hmm. in the times after i was going to arcades in the era (laughs) of dragon's lair and that game sucks it's so hard it's so hard so stupid i but it looks so cool (laughs) exactly it looks so cool if you could find somebody who knew how to play it and then stand behind them and feed them quarters there you go that's how to enjoy dragon's lair yep but if you don't know how to play that game it's just throwing money away. He, you're, you're, he's just turning into a skeleton all the time, <laughs> falling into pits. Yeah, it's it's terrible. But I mean, that was amazing at the time. I mean, 1983 is when that game came out. I mean, th- think of what video yeah. games look like in 1983. No, not you're that. talking about like Pac-Man and Frogger looking stuff, right? Pixel stuff for sure. Yeah, and you got this thing that's this. this Don Bluth animated cartoon that you can kind of control in a choose your own adventure sort of way. Mm-hmm. Oh, man. And here's where I'll, I'll nitpick and be a little bit of a stickler, but Don Bluth, as an animator, just on that principle alone, has a distinct style. Like Disney, you could argue, you know, there's a Disney look, like I just said, there's a Disney look to most of their movies, but you can pick out a Don Bluth movie just based on character designs, the way the backgrounds are done, the color palette that's used. Uh, Secrets of Nim, one of the scariest animated movies I remember in my foundational childhood. All Dogs Go to Heaven, one of the saddest animated movies I remember from mm-hmm. my childhood. So it wasn't just cartoons. Like These were powerful, impacting stories mm-hmm. with a specific look and style to them, and it's just, ugh, I love me some Don Bluth. Yes, I do too. What Are we putting pluses next to Don Bluth? For me, yes. Because I thought he was done. Like I thought he was a, you know from the old generation, but like I said, Titan AE came back. Yes, that was 2000, but it's partly computer animated and still has a style, so he was able to adapt and evolve with the changing technology. So I agree, and I would also say that the, I'm going to put this on Don Bluth, and people can argue with me if they want, but Disney wouldn't be where it is today having Disney Plus in owning Lucasfilm and all stuff, if it wasn't for Don Bluth. I'm with you. Because Disney, at the time he left and started doing his stuff, was doing junk. Yeah. They were struggling. I get it. They were struggling hard. And he left and did his own thing there and actually pushed them to do what they ended up doing. The Ren- Disney Renaissance happened like after he was you know, doing the stuff. And I think you, that need, makes sense, yeah. you need that competition. The Beatles needed the Beach Boys. And vice versa. And vice versa. That's so, totally valid. I'm with you. Yeah. And again, Disney was gone by then, so unfortunately he doesn't get any credit. <laughs> but anyway. All right. Next up is a real interesting guy on the list here mm-hmm. because he does like so much stuff and animations included. True. It is the one, Brad Bird. Brad Bird. Brad Bird as film director, animator, screenwriter, producer, voice actor, 
He's like 40 years of animation and live action. He's uh, best known for The Incredibles with Pixar, Ratatouille with Pixar, Iron Giant, and the live action Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol movie. He's done so much stuff with so much. He worked with Spielberg in the beginning. He's done so many things. But The Incredibles and Ratatouille are pretty much you know the biggest stuff. And then Iron Giant. I, I was going to love tell- that f- movie. It's so funny to me that that movie was a bomb. Yep. So it's a cult. It's a cult hit. It's, it's not a. It, it wasn't a box office success. Yeah, it's a definite cult hit though, because I love that movie. It's a giant robot that helped befriends a little boy. Yeah. Oh, the best. But The Incredibles is so good. Mm-hmm. Ratatouille is great. That's it. So I think I think I was wrong earlier. I said there there might be a toss up between Lasseter and Walt Disney, but what if it's between Lasseter and Brad Bird? Because they both, as far as like. If you're talking The Incredibles and Ratatouille, those are both, uh, again, computer-generated animation. Mm-hmm. Lasseter, uh, you know, an invented Pixar. But then Brad Bird does The Incredibles, which takes Pixar and does it about superheroes. And it's an ensemble superhero cast that rivals the the gravitas and the emotional weight of the Avengers. Mm-hmm. Like, The Incredibles is a great movie, and it's about a family. Like, yes, they're superheroes, but that's almost secondary. Mm-hmm. And even if it is superheroes, it's cool. They all have their own distinct powers. It's a great story. There's an awesome bad guy, and he's like, "Oh, you got me monologuing." Like, it's real smart and clever. So mm-hmm. yeah, that, that that would be my. Toss I know, up. and also Brad Bird is one of the people out there who's very strong on like animation doesn't just have to be for kids. Yes, that animation can be for grownups. We can do stuff just for grownups. I haven't really seen him do anything like that, but he's made that statement before. I believe it. Which I agree with, especially if you into anime at all. Japan does a way better job of that. I get it, yeah. I think, mm-hmm. uh, than they do over here in the United States. But, yeah, you, you know... Oh. there, There is that... You're right, though. There's that core human truth in all of his movies. Like, The Incredibles is being a team, being a mm-hmm. unit. Ratatouille is about following your passion, regardless of what you look like or right. what it is. Battery's not included? Oh, no. Wait. <laughs> Sorry, I had to bring that up because he was the screenwriter on that. I had no idea until we did yeah, this right, right now. I but know. <laughs> Iron Giant. It's about just like sticking up for your friends. Right. Yes, it happens to be a robot and a little boy, but. Man, we're getting a lot of pleasant. But man, I I love Iron Giant too much not to want him to be there. <laughs> but he hasn't done tons. So it's kind of like, ugh. Is it short and sweet? I mean, Iron Giant is great. I love The Incredibles. Mm-hmm. Ratatouille is Ratatouille was one of the ones as I was like, I don't think I'm gonna like this. It seems weird. I mean, the I get rat controlling the guy, but I know I like that. That movie's great. <laughs> you know, uh, what do you say? You putting a plus, minus, question mark? Uh, on Brad Bird, I put him over John Lasseter. Is, okay. is what I'm saying. So plus, yes. Plus, and, and if it comes down, that, and I'm, then I'm putting a question mark. There you go. Because I'm not sure yet. Easy peasy. But we'll see. We'll get back to this. All right, next up, here's the other one I was talking about that falls into the Disneyland. Yes. Hannah and Barbera. Hannah Barbera. All right, these guys, Hannah and Barbera, were a couple of animators that founded their company in 57, and uh, they created Tom and Jerry. Of course. Uh, So they used to work for MGM Cartoon Studios, but they left on their own, and they did, like, everything I knew when I was a kid. (laughs) Yes. Everything. Everything. Listed off. Okay, let's see. Mm-hmm. Huckleberry Hound, Yogi Bear, The Flintstones, Top Cat, The Jetsons, Johnny Quest, Scooby-Doo, The Smurfs. The Smurfs were actually payo, but whatever. Uh, <laughs> that was the Hanna-Barbera company. I think those guys were long gone by then. We get into the Disney territory with that. But but then you got stuff like Birdman, The Herculoids. I love The Herculoids. Yeah, I'd watch yeah. it. Uh, Shazam, the Fantastic Four adaptation, Samson and Goliath, and then in the seventies they were doing Super Friends. That's iconic. It, it, is Super Friends where the Wonder Twins come from, or is that something different? Yes, it's the Wonder Twin. Wonder Twin powers activate. Okay. Yes. Okay. Yes. So here's where we fall into this funny thing. They directed a lot of this stuff, but a lot of this stuff was just done by their company. Yes. So how much credit do you get? Because they definitely have contributed. To nerd them. Absolutely. I mean, if you're just going to talk about cosplay alone, mm-hmm. what the, come on, <laughs> man. You know what I mean? Scooby-Doo's a, I mean. It's still going. But of course, this stuff also is super mainstream. It is. So, oh, this is crazy. But then they did nerdy things. 
like the Super Friends and the Herculoids, the Herculoids like saying, and yep. stuff. Fantastic Four and uh, so it's like even Johnny Quest was like Indiana Jones level nerd. Yes, it is very much so. So, I mean, they tapped into that stuff. So, ugh. my only two cents, and I, I I don't think this is necessarily a disqualifier, but. Hannibal Barra, I know all those properties, but they were before my time. Like, I mm-hmm. came, I caught up, I wasn't watching them growing up, but I definitely, because of their presence, know about them. I, my question would be is, like, what is Hannah Barbera, what did they do post 2000s? And that doesn't necessarily, you know, I mean, obviously the founding fathers are on the, mm-hmm, we have the presidents mm-hmm. that are on Mount Rushmore. They haven't done anything since, you know, post 2000. <laughs> so I don't know if that's really fair to do it to Hannah Barbera, but. It's that. It's like you're saying a little bit pop music vibe. So I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of it's they've definitely contributed to nerddom for sure. But I'm not sure if it's just their company contributed to nerddom. There you go. For sure. Just in doing the research for this, I kind of got the vibes that, you know, they did Tom and Jerry. They're good at the mainstream stuff. They started a thing and then they just started finding and buying and because like the smurfs was on the list but they didn't do smurfs smurfs was done by looks like some french or spanish guy or something and they just brought it to market yeah I guess. yeah so you know it's kind of there's a lot of people who are missing on our top 10 who kind of fall into that same thing mm-hmm. that did contribute to nerddom but it was their company not them I would, I would also see you'd have a hard time doing like all the action figure selling cartoons that we watched growing up you'd have yeah. a hard time getting to those if not for hanna-barbera but mm. still, but, you know, Hanna-Barbera inspired more than innovated? I don't know. Yeah, interesting. So we're going to put the same thing as Walt Disney. We're going to put the minus question mark <laughs> on that one. All right, here's the next and. Yes. You want to take this one? I'll take this one. Uh, we're talking about Phil Lord and Christopher Miller, um, which I think is probably, out of all of the ten, probably the least known. And a factor for that, I would say, is because they're also the most current. Yeah. Out of everything we hear. So that may be a disqualifying factor, like we're saying. Does it matter when you did it? Did you do it first? Are you still going? It's, it, it's a factor. But Lord Miller have an amazing nerd track record. Starting off with Clone High, which if you're a fan of like the old Daria cartoons, if you're a fan of, fan of the old Freaks and Geeks TV show, mm-hmm. Clone High was an animated cartoon about high school students, but the high school students happened to be Joan of Arc, JFK, Gandhi, right. like famous historical yep. figures as high school students. Yep. It holds up. It's It was an underground. It's a cult classic more than it was ever a big success, but still worth checking out. I've heard my kids talking about that. Oh, and they should because it it's it's a secret gem. It's something you can, cool you can recommend your nerd friends that may not have heard about it because I don't think most people have. Then they went on to do Cloudy with a Chance of Meatballs, mm-hmm. uh, an animated movie that on the surface is about food falling from the sky yeah. because a scientist is dumb. They are, <laughs> they are incredibly enjoyable. They have no right being as good as they are for what they are actually about. Uh-huh, you're right. But it didn't stop there. They went on to do the Lego movie, and then, mm-hmm. which I'll, I have points about that, and they did Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. Right. Uh, they've also done live action stuff. They are big producers. They're big on bringing their friends in to do stuff. They're bring, big on helping people get their projects off the ground that want to idealize some sort of vision or story. But with Lego Movie, you're talking about CGI that was elevated, groundbreaking. Mm-hmm. And it's about Legos. Mm-hmm. Super nerdy. Mm-hmm. And it's about the childhood thing of like Legos are always changing and you can build whatever you want. And then it's got the adult vibe of like, no, Legos are one thing. And it's like, nope, you can do whatever you want. With Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse, my two cents is that that's my favorite Spider-Man movie. You can have your Tom Holland, you can have your Andrew Garfield, you can have your Tobey Maguire's. Uh, my Spider-Man movie is Into the Spider-Verse because it it feels like you're living in a comic book. Yep. Not only is it 2D, it's partially CGI, partially hand-done, but there's so many new effects in there and like the... It's got the Liechtenstein dots in there. I mean, graphic design-wise, that movie just blows my mind every mm-hmm. time I watch it, and there's always a new detail in there. And it's an awesome Spider-Man movie. So superheroes, Legos, meatballs, historical figure cartoons, satire, I don't know. It sounds like a plus for Mikey for Lord Miller. I'd agree that in a lot of ways, they've done so much. I mean, the Lego movie alone, my kids were the right age when that movie was out, mm-hmm. and... 
they had already been watching, like Lego had already been doing like animation. Yes. Like little shows and stuff. Yeah, like the Ninjagos and whatever. Yeah, and when that movie was coming out, I thought it was just going to be like that. Yeah. And then you see it and you're like, oh, this is something very different. Everything is awesome. I know. It was, they're pretty innovative. They're pretty innovative. I stand by the biggest factor against them is that they are new. And but well, they're still going. So, so. well, I'm gonna put a plus question mark. Okay. They might I mean they might be standing next to John Favreau looking at the mountain. Oh, there you go. At this point. They but, I would put them in the same class as John but, Favreau as yeah. far as like what they're bringing to the table and trying to do new things in fresh ways. All right. Last but not least is a very controversial character, but a favorite of one of our friends with the same first name. <laughs> Oh, uh, Ralph or a Ralph? <laughs> Ralph Bakshi, American director of animated and live action films pretty much only. That's all he does. He's definitely an alternative animator, an independent animator, an underground animator. Yes. And I would argue that Ralph Bakshi kind of pushed uh, American animation in a different direction. Uh, he's been called the anti-Disney in a lot of ways. Yeah, it's alternative. It's its own lane. Yeah, for sure. I hear um, you. His stuff is weird. A lot of people don't get it. You watch some of his stuff, and I've heard some people say like, oh, is this anime? Is this from Japan? Oh, I could see that. But no, he did that before they were doing a lot of that stuff. So I would be willing to bet. I haven't talked to a lot of Japanese animators, but I'd be willing to bet that he had an influence on them too with some of his stuff because his stuff was adult on purpose. Yes. It was made only for grown-ups. That's true. He had movies that were higher than an R rating. <laughs> <laughs> and so on purpose. On purpose. Yes. And I don't know if you've ever heard him speak at like a a con or something. Um, but he knows what he's doing. Everything was intentional and he was trying to push people. Uh, very punk rock. Uh, uh, you, yeah, you say punk rock, I say nerdy punk rock. It's like I have an idea for how I wanted to get it done, and I don't care if the masses accept me. That's that's kind of nerdy. So his nerdiest things are his well-known films, uh, Wizards from 77, and The Lord of the Rings, like that just <laughs> was never really finished. Nope. But I would say that is, I remember seeing that thing, and it blew my mind. Yes. And it wasn't only me. Apparently, it blew Peter Jackson's mind, too. I could see that. And you can find things, who's on our other Mount Nerdmore, you can find side-by-sides of Peter Jackson's Lord of the Rings mm -hmm. and Bakshi's Lord of the Rings. Oh, and they, their similarities? Yeah. Awesome. So that's interesting. That Whenever I think of Smaug as the dragon... The mental image I have is the dragon with the glowing eyes yeah. from the animated Lord of the Rings. Mm -hmm. And um, and then also Fire and Ice is a very, that's like a Boris Viejo painting come to life, basically. And that was around the time when they were doing like heavy metal and stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think a lot of people think he did heavy metal, but I think he influenced heavy metal. Yeah, but I'm with you. I mean, like... There's probably certain lanes of anime, stuff like Adult Swim, that are or like Ren and Stimpy. Like, mm -hmm. I can see that all being a result of Ralph Bakshi. It's 100% a result of Ralph Bakshi. A lot of it is a result of Ralph Bakshi because he came back later on and did the Adventures of Mighty Mouse. Okay. Uh, and that was like in the late 80s. And he hired all the animators for it. Gotcha. And he said, "You got just go crazy. Do what you want. I'm hiring you because I believe in you. And nerd uh, points for being about a superhero. <laughs> and the list of people who were on that as baby animators mm -hmm. is, let's see, we got the creator of Ren and Stimpy. Oh, yeah. John Crick Falusi. Yes. Uh, we, we got uh, the producer of Batman, the animated series, Bruce Tim. Oh, wow. Right. We got a writer for Tiny Toon Adventures, Wally, and director of The Simpsons, Jim Reardon. There you go. I've heard that name before. I've seen his name in the credits. Yeah. Tom Minton, who is a producer for um, Warner Brothers cartoons, including Tiny Toons, Animaniacs, uh, Sylvester and Tweety Mystery, Baby Looney Tunes, and Duck Dodgers. Oh, crap. Yeah, right? Lynn Naylor, who's a character design for Batman the Animated Series and storyboard artist for the Powerpuff Girls and Cow and Chicken. <laughs> Cow and Chicken. Right. Rich Moore, who's the animated director for Futurama, The Simpsons, Wreck-It Ralph, Zootopia. Uh, I mean, come on, man. These guys, all these people 
guys and gals. I use guys as a northeastern meaning every all genders. Kind of like um, when I say dudes. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, this was in the late 80s, and then these people all went on to do this stuff under his like tutelage. That's that's a lot of influence and innovation. Yeah, it's it's crazy. I mean, Ralph Bakshi is a controversial character, but he did some stuff, and like his stuff's cr- like Wizards. Have you seen Wizards? Yes, that movie's crazy. <laughs> it's one of those ones. Is like, how late were they animating this movie? Like mm-hmm. into the night? Did they stay up for days in a row to get this? It's it's a trip. And we haven't even mentioned Cool World yet. Oh, I forgot about Cool World. Absolutely. I mean, it's got that uh, was its own phenomenon. Uh, its own phenomenon, and apparently. He hated it because he wanted it to be way more adult than it was. I could see And the that. studio kept pulling him back. And apparently he like punched one of the studio executives. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> it's punk rock. Uh, I know. But I mean, that's got baby, what, Kim Basinger in it? Mm-hmm. And baby Brad Pitt? Baby Brad Pitt. I mean, and a lot of people hate that movie, but I love that movie. And... It, I'm sure there's there were maybe there's probably examples of what happened what came before it, but that's one of the first ones I remember where it was the mix of live action and animation. Like oh. I know Roger Rabbit. Yeah, yeah, right. But other than that, it's usually like Cool World is the second one listed. Yeah, exactly. Because it was so unconventional and new. Yeah. I mean Disney did that way back with Mary Poppins and all that stuff. Oh, that's true. Yeah, yeah. Um, but no, it was like but this was the it had like adult scenes. <laughs> yeah. It it, it <laughs> was mature, but it was also super Gen X, which is yeah. amazing in its own right. right. Like it's like here we're we're doing this and yeah. nobody can tell us no. I'm gonna punch people if you tell me no. Apparently. That's a great story. Yeah. I don't know, man. Well, I'm putting a plus next to him. I think he was too innovative. What do you think? Uh, you said punk rock to me, and that got me way on board. So it's a plus for me as okay. well. Okay. All right. Now we got to go through and see, do the painful part of going through. So we have two pluses next to Ralph Bakshi. Okay. We have two pluses next to Matt Groening. Okay. I think we have two pluses next to Miyazaki. Yes. So that only leaves one more spot. Well, here, here's a convention I'll make. Uh, Lord and Miller, because I made the argument that they're new but awesome, maybe slot them in for the honorable mention. Okay, well, let's see. We can slot them in for the honorable mention right now. We'll put that right there. Okay, so we said Hanna-Barbera. Uh, you guys were great, but... Not nerdy enough. Not nerdy enough. Walt Disney, again, you, you're, you're pop music, man. Exactly. We're not doing pop music. We're doing nerdy stuff. <laughs> you know what I mean? I'm Sorry, with you. man. You're the... You know, Michael Jackson was great, but was he nerdy? No. No. pop. So sorry, Walt Disney. Ooh, that's weird. Nobody would ever call Elvis a nerd. Seth MacFarlane, sorry, buddy. Oh, <laughs> Matt Groening beat you out. Sorry. He did. Okay, we got two pluses next to Don Bluth. Okay. And then we have a question mark next to Lassiter and a question mark next to Brad Bird. That was the toss-up. So what's happening here is we're getting kind of mixed. So mm, we're getting kind of we're getting kind of overfilled here. So we, we got have, we have one big spot left. We got Miyazaki. Yeah. So we got anime represented with Miyazaki. Yes. We've got TV represented with Matt Groening. Yes. We've got alt film represented with Bakshi. There you so go. So now we have to say who's so we got Don Bluth who did some great stuff, right? Mm-hmm. We got Brad Bird over here who did some great stuff, and John Lasseter who did some great stuff. Now John Lasseter definitely he kind of almost falls into the Disney. Hanna Barbera thing. I got you. He he pushed it. Yeah, it's nerdy. He did some awesome stuff, <laughs> but everybody loves that stuff. It's really <laughs> mainstream. That's it. I don't see a, a bunch of people like Toy Story cosplaying. Really? No. Nope. I mean, sometimes they'll do stuff with Buzz Lightyear and stuff. But, yeah. But ooh, mm, so John Lasseter. So and I mean, I would go Brad Bird over John Lasseter as far as nerdiness goes. I think I made that statement earlier, and that that gets my vote as well. Okay, so then we're fighting between Don Bluth and Brad Bird now. Both distinct in their styles, both great at storytelling and making it a story rather than just an animated product for kids. Yeah, uh, I'll throw this out there: Brad Bird is more innovative than Don Bluth. Mm-hmm. Maybe just because it's CGI animation, like he was definitely in that wheelhouse and of that time period. Yeah, but Don Bluth did video game artwork. Did the video too. game stuff. Wow, it's really hard. <laughs> this is really hard. Oh man, this is the hard one. You're Brad Bird. I'm Don Bluth. We're gonna rock paper scissors. No, we're not gonna rock paper oh. scissors. We have to. We have to figure this one out. We'll figure it out. Man, uh, Dragon's Lair is so nerdy, but man, I love Iron Giant so much. The Incredibles is so good. Oh, I mean, wh- where are you leaning? 
Uh, between those two, yeah. I'm a Don Bluth because it was foundational for it's personal. It's yeah, foundational know. for my childhood. I know. Okay. But mm. I think more came out of Brad Bird's work than I think Don Bluth's work, though. That, that, that's my admittance. So if you're leaning towards Brad Bird, I say go for it. I'm actually leaning towards Don Bluth just based on the video game alone. Then we get to make our own rules. Okay. I'm, we're going Don Bluth, but I, mm, the honorable mention. Oh, yeah. Brad Bird or Lord Miller. That's how it could work out. Yeah. The honorable mention might. <laughs> you know what, though? Uh, okay. You know what? I agree with you on Lord Miller, but I think they're they're not going to make it even into Arnold Mansion. Fair enough. I think I think what needs to do we need to figure out Don Bluth or Brad Bird who's more of an honorable mention, like someone who you're deserving to be on here. But this guy, you know what though? I'm telling you right now, I think that Don Bluth is more of a pure animator. I got you. And Brad Bird is. Mm-hmm. Um, when I look at Don Bluth stuff here, I'm uh, this has more of his hand, his in style it, yeah. in it. Whereas Brad Bird, I mean, he director writes great stuff, but I'm telling you, when we're talking about animators here, and look, Miyazaki stuff, that's his hand. That's for sure. His stuff looks like his stuff. Matt Groening, that looks like his stuff. Ralph, Ralph Bakshi, oh, that sure. looks like his stuff. Between Don Luth and Brad Bird, you you said you see a Don Bluth thing, you know that's it. You see a Brad Bird thing, do you know that's it? I don't think so. Don what? Bluth goes on there. Brad Woo! Bird is the honorable mention. We figured so, it out. Our Mount Nern Moore is. Miyazaki, Matt Groening, Ralph Bakshi, and Don Bluth, with oh. an honorable mention going to Brad Bird. Oh, that's so fun. I love it. Woo-wee, we did it. All right, everybody. Do you hate this? Do you love this? Are we completely wrong or are we completely right? Yeah, let us know. You can hit us up on our law social medias, at AssumingPod on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Instagram mostly because that's pictures, so I'm there more often looking at it because I do with the social media. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> or you can also Gmail us, AssumingPositions at gmail.com. Okay. Every week I ask Mikey, except for last week, every week I ask Mikey, how would you like the Gmail formatted? Oh, well, it's easy. I want you to draw a, a comic strip, draw a character, draw, oh, yeah. animate. doesn't have to be animated. That's a lot of work. But draw something with your opinion on it, and give it a whole bunch of exclamation points. Awesome. Uh, We want to thank you guys so much for listening. Please be sure to go and rate and like our podcast wherever you listen to it. Five stars, all the thumbs, however it works. Just give us the the great rating. Mm -hmm. We want to thank that guy, Brad, for doing our announcing, Not Sky Productions for Equipment, and Jazzar for our music. Uh, We will see you guys next week. It's episode 200 next week. Get ready. We're doing something special. You're going to like it. We're throwing a party. Woohoo!